So what a week, hey? New Prime Minister in, and our Queen has been promoted to glory. You know, that the more I've spent time thinking about the death of the Queen, the more impactful it has been on me. For all of us, no matter how old you are, we've known no other Queen. Some of you may have remembered her father, but the Queen has been reigning for 70 years. She's been serving for 70 years. That, that, that is a phenomenal thing. And I really want to honor her life this morning. Uh, the scripture tells us this in 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 to 2. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all those in authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And so it's really fitting that on Tuesday we pray, that we pray for kings. Hey, we have a king now. We pray for kings. Keep hold of your coins and your stamps. They're all going to change. But we have a king now to pray for kings. We need to pray for all those in authority, including political leaders we may not like. But notice that it says that thanksgiving be made. And this morning it's about giving thanks. Giving thanks for the life of Queen Elizabeth II, who died at the age of 96. She was born in 1926. She is the longest reigning monarch, reigning for just over 70 years. She was married for more than seven decades. Think about that. Wow. Seven decades. During her reign, there were 15 prime ministers. If you saw on the kind of ceremony with King Charles, you will have seen most of them lined up at the front. Uh, what a horrible sight. What a wonderful sight that was. The queen met with seven popes, and she was patron of 600 charities. Now, 400 of those she inherited from her father, but it's pretty good going to add another 200 onto that. What a life. Now, we can look at it, if you go online, if you go everywhere, you'll see these amazing things about her achievements, but she had a real life. She didn't have a fairy tale life. She had a real life. And it wasn't an easy life. If you've watched anything on some of the documentaries about royals, that when you're born into a royal family, things are not as easy as people make out. Think, oh yeah, they've got their bread buttered, it's all easy. But they grow up for a very different kind of lifestyle. And, and you see that, I've got to be careful what I say here, that I don't kind of get shot in saying this, but you can see the tensions when somebody brought up in a royal family marries somebody who is a commoner who is not brought up in the values that the royal family had to go through. And you saw those tensions in the children of the queen. In 1936, at the age of 10, her uncle, King Edward VIII, abdicated. Some of you will remember back to those stories. Her father, King George, who was then on the throne, uh, King George VI, uh, 
He died in 1952 when Queen Elizabeth, or Elizabeth then, was only 25 years old. And at 25, she became Queen of England. Now, you've got to remember the context. The context is that we've just had a war. Rationing. Any ideas when rationing fully finished in the UK? Sorry, Anne? Close. It's actually 1953 that rationing fully ended. And so when you think the Queen came into an empire that was dealing with all of the post-war stuff, would you want to inherit that at the age of 25 and be said, hey, you're leader here? Not an easy life. The Queen had four children three of whom divorced in the 1990s. In 1992, she referred to it as her Annus Horribilius, where it ended in the fire at Windsor Castle, which cost more than £36 million worth of damage uh, to the property. In 2002, she lost her mother, and last year her husband, Prince Philip, also passed away. Not an easy life. Why am I saying that? Because the Queen made a promise. She made a promise on her 21st birthday in 1947. She said this, I declare before all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and the service of our great imperial family to which we all belong. I wonder whether she, when she said that, she would realize she was going to live to 96 whether it be short or long. She gave herself at the age of 21 to a life of service. At 26, with her coronation, I mean, I know she was, uh, became queen at 25, but the coronation happened a year later. She said, I have sincerely pledged myself to your service, as so many of you are pledged to mine. Throughout all my life and with all my heart, I shall strive to be worthy of your trust. She's achieved that. She achieved trust. You know, last week we were looking at Proverbs and it said, the things that make us uh, accepted and respected by people is loyalty and kindness. And if there are two things that are exemplary in the life of our queen, it was her loyalty to her servanthood and to her King Jesus and also her kindness to everybody she met. The queen was always on call. I don't know what that must be like. Always on call. She never, ever shirked her duties. She served well beyond the average working life. I think it's 45 years as a working life. Well, she did another whole load, nearly a whole extra set on top of that. Her entire life was given to serving. Even two days before she passed, she met our new prime minister in serving her people. Wow, I think that's amazing. To me, 
It is a stunning, an absolutely stunning service of life. And it raises a really important question that I want to focus on this morning. How did she do it? How can you serve so faithfully for 70 years? How can you do it? How can you keep going and going and going? And we saw over the last year especially, she became more frail. She, she was affected by the death of her husband. And yet she soldiered on. Now the Queen's speeches, if you look at them over the years, they are woven through with rich expressions of her faith. You see, she had faith. At every turn, the queen confessed that she trusted in Jesus Christ. At her first Christmas broadcast in 1952, she says this. Pray for me that God may give me wisdom and strength to carry out the solemn promises I shall be making. And that I may faithfully serve him and you all of the days of my life. Her Christmas broadcasts are things that millions of people tuned into. They wanted to hear what's the Queen going to say and she would invariably bring in her relationship and faith with Jesus Christ. In the year 2000, she says this, For me, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to lead my life. I'm going to come back to that. In 2008, she says, I hope that, like me, you will be comforted by the example of Jesus of Nazareth, who often in circumstances of great adversity managed to live an outgoing, unselfish and sacrificial life. He makes it clear that genuine human happiness and satisfaction lie more in giving than receiving, more in serving than in being served. It is evidently clear <coughs> that our Queen continually points to Jesus Christ. She points to the truths found in the Bible about Jesus. She demonstrated that through her 70 years, it was her faith in Jesus Christ that kept her strong through some of the most trying times that we can face. And it gives us hope. I mean, it should encourage you this morning that no matter what you face in life, no matter how things go, that Jesus Christ can sustain you all the way through to the end. What a picture. I want to focus on her comment in the year 2000. For me, she said, the teachings of Jesus Christ, sorry, for me, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to lead my life. I want to unpack that a little bit. You see, the teachings of Jesus are no mystery. Some people think they are. They're not a mystery. The teachings of Jesus have been available for 2,000 years in a book called the Bible that has been translated into many, many, many different languages and that are available to nearly all people. I know there's lots of people groups not reached, but to a vast majority, it is available in their language. 
If you live in the West, every Sunday you can visit one of many thousands of churches and you can hear them hopefully bringing out the teachings of Jesus Christ. Now we're talking about this teaching of Jesus which is recorded in the Bible. It's been preserved, it's been faithfully passed on from one generation to the next and so the teachings of Jesus are not a mystery. The challenge of the teachings of Jesus is not that they are a mystery, is that they are hard to do. It has been said that we often go through and think, I don't understand that, and it is the difficult things in the Bible that are a problem. But Mark Twain said this, I am not disturbed by what I don't understand. This is me paraphrasing. It says, I am disturbed by what I do understand in the Bible. You know, the teachings of Jesus says things like, love your enemies. It says, give to the poor. It says, treat other people like you want to be treated. It says, don't return evil for evil. And so our queen said the teachings of Jesus were crucial in her life and they became a framework by which she lived. That, to me, is the secret to her life. She had built a framework that was built on the person of Jesus Christ, and that framework was solid through all of her life. She talks about a personal accountability before God. Again, what an amazing statement. Jesus' teachings were not given in a vacuum. They were not teachings that were set amongst other teachings where people can choose one or the other. No, no, Jesus said that what I am telling you comes from my Father and he is the creator God of all the universe. And that means there is a personal accountability that we have to the teaching of Jesus. We may not like it, we may disagree with it, but actually Jesus is the representative of God the Father on the earth and what he teaches has the stamp of God on it. The Queen acutely understood that this is a personal accountability. We are all individually responsible before God for how obedient we are and have been to the teachings of Jesus Christ, the Son, Messenger, and our Messiah. I do believe there is a wider communal, communal and national responsibility. You know, the Queen was the defender of the faith. And as a defender of the faith, she defended the faith. I really pray and hope that King Charles takes on that mantle. I was encouraged by his speech when he talked about his own faith. But you know, we have governments. We have those who are in authority in our communities, our local councils. We have our MPs on a national level. And these must take responsibility for making sure that that framework, that that teaching of Jesus that comes from God is passed on to its people. It's not a position to take lightly. But even at that level, for us personally... We need to make sure that we take on board that at some point we will give a personal account for what we have done with Jesus' teachings. There are no excuses. 
And so the queen says that the teaching of Jesus, it has become a framework. I have a personal accountability and it has become a framework for my life. And the challenge of her life is that we need to build such a good framework. Each of us, whether we recognize it or not, we have a framework on which our lives are built. We've erected it, but here's the question, is it any good? Queen Elizabeth recognized that the building of the framework on the teaching of Jesus would give us the best possible kind of life. And by best, I don't mean easy, but I mean fulfilling. I mean able to deal with life's challenges. I mean, the Queen has really exemplified the teachings of Jesus as a framework for life because she has demonstrated that she navigated through 96 years of her life, 70 of those in public service and a public scrutiny, and she got through. Let me tell you, the framework of your life will be tested. You may be surprised at how many frameworks fail the test of adversity. Hardly a month goes by when we don't hear of some uh, famous person either committing suicide or being addicted into drugs or some substance abuse. Why? Because the framework of their life cannot handle the adversity that they're facing. And so to me, it is a tremendous thing that today we can talk about a framework that has led one individual high profile through 96 years of some tough challenges, but it has stood the test of time. It hasn't crumbled. It has been successful. And then there's this little word, try. The Queen says, for me, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to lead my life. I'm so pleased she put that in. Because we don't always get it right. Yeah, we look to Jesus for help. We trust in Jesus, but we don't always make the right decisions. We don't always get it right. The good news is this, is that the church is not full of people who have been perfected. It's not full of people whose lives are all okay and, and sewn up properly, who have no problems and make no mistakes. No, no, no. The church is full of people who, along with the queen, recognize the, queen recognize the importance of a teaching but also that we've decided to build our lives on it and we are attempting to live according to that. You know, I want to say something that I think is one of the challenges of church life. Quite often when we come on a Sunday, we have a mask on, you know. We kind of come in, how are you? It's all okay. But often it's not all okay. You know, Robin Williams made this statement and he said, everybody is going through something that you know nothing about. And then he said, be kind always. But you know what? There is nothing wrong with us going through tough things. There's absolutely nothing wrong with it. What is wrong with it is when we try to hide it and we don't get the encouragement and help from other people. Now, part of that is blamed on us as a church, which is quite true, because we judge people by it sometimes. Isn't it nice 
in our own family home units to be who you are. They know who you are. Wouldn't it be great if church was like that? Well, we can come and say, man, it's been a lousy week this week. I didn't react too well to this and I haven't been too good on this and I sinned in this and I need some prayer and help this morning. That's what church is about. It's not about perfected saints because we're not. Well, I'm not. Maybe you're ahead of the game. But the queen recognized it's about trying. And by trying, I don't mean it in the context where, you know, we don't really make any difference. We don't really get any. By trying, I mean we keep getting up. We keep putting our trust in Jesus. We keep looking to him in faith. And we move forward. You know, the queen could have given up years ago. I mean, to be honest, the queen could have said when she turned 70, she said, you know what, I've done enough. I've done enough. No, I'm going to get up tomorrow and do some more. And the day after, and the day after, and the day after. So here's the good news. The queen has set a very high bar. Hey guys, until you're 96, you're not allowed to retire. There is work in the kingdom. I mean, come on. I mean, we'll make a bit of a a leeway here and say, okay, not to 96. You've got two days before, because that's when she stopped. And then. You see, we trust in Jesus. We come to him. We recognize that on our own we can't do it and that we are sinful and that we need help. And we look for his grace to supply. Our faith is built not on what we can do. Our faith is built upon what Jesus Christ has done. And as our faith is in Jesus, he supplies the grace that gets us through. I don't know about your life, but I look back in my own life and there are many times I look and think, how on earth did I get through that? How am I still standing after that situation or this situation? How am I not angry all the time? How am I not, you know, wanting to destroy things? How am I not bitter in my heart and spirit? And the simple truth is this. It's the grace of God that we get up and we trust in him. We repent, we look to Christ to be our all, and we build our lives on his promises, trusting in him to fulfill them. As I conclude this morning, I want you to look at the testimony of a life well lived, our Queen. I want you to look at her faith and her action. I want you to follow her tremendous example. You know what? Over the next months, there's going to be no end of stuff coming out about the Queen. And if you go online, you can read through her speeches and stuff, and you will see again and again how tremendous she was in what she has done. I want to finish with a prayer of thanksgiving. This is not a prayer I have written. It is a prayer I took from the Evangelical Alliance website. But I think it's such a good prayer to pray for her family. Let's pray. Great 
and gracious God, we give thanks to you for the life of your servant, Queen Elizabeth II. We thank you for her life of service, her faithfulness and her kindness. She has consistently shown us the values of goodness, courage and strength. We thank you for her witness to you, her clear and positive faith, her reliance on prayer and her life that demonstrated forgiveness, hope and perseverance. We thank you for the time she gave to others, for the hope she imparted and for the dutiful leadership she demonstrated so often. Thank you, Jesus, for your servant who lived a life of love, faith, and hope. A follower of Jesus who pointed others to you. A living example of salt and light in the world. Now at peace in you. We pray now for her family loved ones and others who feel her passing most keenly. Lord, may you comfort and bring peace to them. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before I finish, there's just something else I want to say and one more prayer, and then we're going to read a psalm together. We have a new king. Now, I know our new king, some will like him and some won't like him. And I know he's had his own troubles in the past, but we need to pray for him. He hasn't got a chance if we don't pray for him. We may not want him to be king or we may want him to be king, whichever way it is. Let me tell you, we need to pray for King Charles III. He has now taken on the mantle of his mother. And let me tell you, I cannot imagine what it must be like to follow in those footsteps. So we need to pray for him. And I want to encourage you in your prayers to pray for him. We need God to touch him, God to use him, because he is so positioned for tremendous good in our nation. And so I want to pray a short prayer for him. This one is a prayer that I took from the Church of England that they gave in praying for our king. So let's pray for him this morning. Everlasting God, we pray for our new king. Bless his reign and the life of our nation. Help us to work together so that truth and justice, harmony and fairness flourish among us. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And I do want to pray for us because we are entering into a new time. COVID really has been a separator of time and I think all the things that have happened since then and with the passing of the Queen, I think there is a real changing of the guard. I think there's a real changing of era. It doesn't take a great prophetic sense to know that the days are changing and what has been will be no more. And, and I've said this before, but I will say it to you again, church is going to change. I think God is doing something new and I think he's asking us, do you not perceive it? And so I pray that we would have those prophetic eyes and ears to see and to hear what he wants us to do. And so I want to pray for us as the people of God. Father, I thank you. I thank you because Hope Church here in Marsh Lane is not here by coincidence. I want to thank you because each person here has been planted by you.
I want to thank you that we each have our role to fulfill from the youngest to the oldest. You have called us for a purpose. And Father, I pray that like the Queen, we would be willing to serve. We would be willing to try. We would be willing to get up again every day and to do the same thing. And Father, I know that you are with us, that you have poured out your Spirit upon us. But I pray this morning that each of you would know a greater sense of the call of God to serve in the community that you have been placed. Pray that you would know the love of God. Pray that you would be a bringer of hope to those around you. And I pray that your life would demonstrate a faith that is built on the person of Jesus Christ. And Father, I pray for us as Hope Church, that we would be bringers of hope into our communities. And Father, that we would uh, be those that would shine forth the faith of Jesus as salt and light, as our Queen has done before us. And so, Lord, bless your people. Lord, bless your people. May God be gracious to you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he give you peace. May he equip you and may you be filled with faith and knowledge in serving him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. As we finish, I'm going to ask Sam. She's going to come and she's going to read Psalm 121 and then we'll finish. I'm not going to do anything after that. Sam's just going to read that. The heading says, A Song for Pilgrims Ascending to Jerusalem. I look to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel never slumbers nor sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as a protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. Amen.